Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. It's good to see you guys. Like I said, um, I'm excited to preach to you guys tonight. Um, I don't want to ever take it common, you know, because I've had many opportunities um, in the past year or so to be able to preach to you guys and speak and deliver a word that God put in my heart to you guys. And I've realized that people don't really want, they don't, they don't really care about how much you know until they know about how much you care. And I want to let you guys know tonight that we care about you guys so much. We, we love each and every single one of you guys so much. We, we pray for you guys every single week. We care about where you're at in life, your, your strengths and your weaknesses. And we believe that God is doing amazing things and is going to continue to do amazing things in your life. So I want to tell you that tonight. We love you guys. Come on. We have an amazing church. Can you stand with me to your feet? And let's get right into scripture tonight. In respect of God's word, let's stand to our feet I want you to turn with me to Mark chapter 9, verse 33 to 37. You can go ahead and start the live stream, Venus. You're good? You got it? We want to welcome everybody that's joining us online that's going to be listening listening to this later on the podcast as well. But I'm excited to read this to you guys. Um, Real quick, stand with me for a minute or two. I want to explain to you guys what's happening in the scripture. I think it helps us appreciate it more. Uh, But pretty much what's happening in the scripture in the few verses that we're going to read tonight is Jesus is doing what he normally does, which is straightening out the disciples. He's straightening out the disciples. He's putting them in their place. And they're actually on a road trip right now. They're on the road to Capernaum. And right now, they're with Jesus, the 12 disciples. They're with Jesus. And they're traveling to different cities, traveling to different regions, traveling to different towns as Jesus ministers, as he preaches as he heals people, as he opens blind eyes and, and he opens deaf ears, he heals the lame and the leper, he, he brings the dead back to life. God is doing amazing things and he even uses the disciples. But what the disciples do, and you wouldn't, it's crazy to think about out of all these things that, that are going on in the middle of the road trip to Capernaum onto the next place where Jesus is gonna minister, they have an argument. And their argument is about who is the greatest. Who is the best? They start arguing amongst themselves, and they probably think that Jesus doesn't hear either because as they enter into Capernaum, Jesus turns to all of them whenever they're at a house, and he says, what were you guys arguing about on the road? But Jesus knows all things, so he already knows, and they don't respond back because they were arguing about who was the greatest. So that's where we pick up on right here in Mark chapter 9, verse 33 to 37. It says this, they came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? Jesus asked them. But they kept quiet because on the way, they had argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and servant of all. I want to read that one more time. Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and servant of all. Then Jesus took a little child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, 
but the one who sent me. My sermon title to you guys tonight is this, The Road to Greatness. The Road to Greatness, because they're on a road and they're arguing about who is the greatest. I believe that you're on a road tonight. You're on a journey called life. Life is not a sprint. Life is really a marathon. And as you go through life, it's important to know that God doesn't want you just to go through life. God wants you to grow through life. And God wants to make a great person out of you. And God wants to do amazing things in you and through you. And God wants you to achieve everything that he has for you. And I believe there's nothing wrong with desiring to be great. There's nothing wrong with desiring to be great. But it just depends on how we define greatness. You guys follow me tonight? It depends on how we define greatness. Let's pray together, and then you can take a seat. God, I thank you for your word. First, God, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your anointing, God. The grass withers, Lord, and the flower fades, God, but your word stands forever. So I pray right now in the name of Jesus that every heart would be open to receive what you have for them tonight, God. We came in here, Lord. We're ordinary, broken people trying to figure things out in life, God. But Jesus, you make things so much clearer, God. And I pray that tonight, Lord, that you would speak to your people, that we'd walk out encouraged and inspired, and more importantly, Jesus would be glorified. Teach us what greatness looks like. In Jesus' name, and everybody said? All right, you guys can go ahead and take a seat. Thank you for standing in respect of God's word. Okay, quick question. Have you ever been in a fight before? Like, not a verbal fight, okay, okay? I'm talking about, like, a physical fight, like, with your fist, okay? Best transition question to ask after a prayer, right? (laughs) Have you been in a fight before? Now, believe it or not, your boy has been in a fight. I've been in a brawl before, right? So I'm like, Caleb, you, you've been in a fight. Yes, I've been in a fight before. It happened in the second grade. Some of you are like, did it happen like last year? Last No, it's second grade, okay? So I was in second grade, and I went to, I went to uh, Chandler Elementary School for my fifth grade year, but I went to Vickers Elementary School from my kindergarten all the way to fourth grade year, okay? And it happened in my second grade year. And I think Vickers Elementary School was like the best school ever. I don't know if we have any lions in this place tonight, but I was, I was a lion. I see a couple of lions in here, right? But at Vickers Elementary School, you know, because it was elementary school, we, we had recess. Now, I was so bummed whenever they took recess out of middle school and high school because I loved recess so much, okay? So recess for me at Vickers Elementary School in second grade consisted of kickball games, Okay. And whenever we went outside, we, we went and we played kickball, majority of the class. And this wasn't just a game, guys. This was a league of its own, okay? We took this game very serious. And I remember this one specific day, we were hanging out and we were playing kickball. We were outside. And this one game got pretty intense. And we were down by one point. And we were about to get called back into the classroom where the teachers were going to step out and they were going to blow the whistle and we're going to have to go back inside. And I was the last one to step up to kick the ball. We were down by one point. We didn't want to lose. We just wanted to get a tie or something. We were really competitive. But 
I stepped on up to the plate. They pitched the ball. I kicked the ball. Whenever I kicked the ball, it went a pretty good distance. I ran to first base. I ran to second base. You know, I ran to third base. I was just about to get home, okay? I was just about to get home when this guy by the name of Ethan Reha got the ball, kicked ball, and he threw it, and he chunked it, and he got me out, okay? Now, Ethan Reha and, and their family, they go to our church now, and I love Ethan, and I can, I can stand losing, okay? I, I can stand losing, okay? I'm not a sore loser, and I'm not a sore winner, okay? But I cannot stand gloating. Okay, I cannot stand gloating. So, but that's what Ethan did. After Ethan got me out, he started gloating and putting in my face how they beat us. He started saying stuff like, Caleb, your team is trash. You're trash. You're bad. You know, you're the worst one, actually. We beat you guys. And I started doing what a Christian would do. I started talking trash back. And I said, you know what? you're trash. You know, very intelligent, you know, second grade debate talk saying, no, you're bad. No, you're bad. You're bad. It went back and forth and, and things were getting pretty intense. And, you know, we, we lost, we lost the game. We lost it by one point because I got out and me and him started arguing and we, we got called to go to the front, about to go back into the classroom. And me and him are arguing, going back to the classroom or going back, about to go inside. We stand outside at recess and he starts arguing with me more. And I start arguing with him more. And what I decided to do, I took matters into my own hands. I said, okay, enough is enough. Okay, it was kind of a fight, guys. So I ended up punching him in the stomach, in the gut, right? And I got a good punch on him. And he fell to the ground immediately. And he started bawling. He started crying. I thought I was like the real deal. I thought I was like big and bad. You know, you ever seen a video of somebody like stands over somebody like, what, what now? What now are we going to do? So I like standing over him. I think I'm super, super cool or something like that. I didn't follow Jesus' instructions whenever he said to turn the other cheek right. But I, I punched him in the stomach. He fell down. I, I think I'm cool. And then this girl named Christian serves her right for having the name. She told the teacher, you know, hey, Caleb punched Ethan in the stomach. And he, he's actually crying right now. Ethan's on the floor crying. So I thought it was so cool until the teacher came and got me. And I got sent to the principal's office. And I was crying all day long in the principal's office. I thought it was so cool until I was sent to the principal's office and I got caught, right? Anyways, me and Ethan became best friends the next year, and now Misty and Patrick, his parents, serve in the cafe, guys. So that's how you build a church, right? You just punch other kids. I don't know. But they're here. I'm like, whenever, they, whenever I heard they're coming to church, I was like, really? They're coming to this? But we, came, we, we became best friends, and we love them so very much, but they're awesome. But isn't it just funny, you know, you know the reason that I punched him and the reason that we had an argument is because we were arguing about, you know, who was the greatest. And I think whether we're willing to admit it or not, every single one of us have a part of us in our lives that where we innately desire to be great. We, we, we want to be somebody. We don't want to be inferior. We, want, we don't want to be less than. We, we don't want to be minor, but we want to be major. We want to be noticed. We want to be recognized. We want to be admired. We want to have fans. We want people to notice us in, in our lives. And, you know, at least that's what the disciples were thinking. They, they were arguing amongst themselves saying, you know, who's the greatest? Which one of us is the greatest? And it's surprising to me because whenever Jesus addresses this in Capernaum and he talks to them, you would think that Jesus would say something like, 
stop trying to be great or something like that. But Jesus doesn't do that. He actually, he doesn't condemn greatness. He actually changes the definition of greatness. And he says, if anybody wants to be first, you actually, you actually got to be very last and you got to be servant of all. So Jesus wasn't condemning greatness. Jesus Christ was actually changing the definition of greatness. He was letting the disciples know, hey, you see greatness by what you have and by what you can do and by how great you are. But the way that the world measures greatness is much different than how my kingdom measures greatness. You think it's about possessions. You think it's all about the carnal view of man. But in the kingdom of God, we have a different perspective where we don't look at the outside of man, but we look on the inside of man. And if you want to be great, you got to be last. You got to be servants of all. What an oxymoron. What, what, what an ironic thing to say. If I want to be first, I got to be last. But the disciples, they had the wrong perspective of greatness. They were heading down the wrong path. And I want to talk about two killers of greatness real quick. What got the disciples, what, what misled the disciples in their initial idea of greatness? And the first one I believe is this, comparison. Comparison. See, whenever they started thinking about greatness, they did what people normally do, which was to compare themselves to one another. And if I'm being honest, you know, I can find myself doing this, you know, I can see myself doing this, and I've done this myself a lot of times in the past. If I, if I want to feel good about myself, or if I want to feel great, or uh, if I want to feel like, like I am somebody, a lot of times what we do is we compare ourselves to other people. The disciples were disputing amongst themselves, talking about who was the greatest. I can already hear them talking to each other saying, you know, I'm greater than you because I'm more handsome than you. You know, Judas, you're ugly, man. You smell bad. You just don't look good. You know, Judas, you know, bad guy. I'm better than you. Or they're, they're arguing about who has, you know, more money, who, who looks better, who smells better, uh, who's a better leader, who, who acts better. Uh, you know, who drives a better car, maybe at that time, camel, um, who has a better house, you know, who has a better looking family. And what, 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 if you're not careful, when you think of greatness, pride will say, look at everybody else, then compare it to what you have. And that will tell you whether you're great or you're not great. But I want to let you know tonight, greatness is not measured by comparison like that. In fact, comparison is the thief of joy. I want to tell you tonight, stop comparing yourself to others all the time, because what happens is we compare ourselves so many times to so many different people, what that person has, you know, and what I don't have, and we try to compare ourselves because we want to feel better than everybody else, but what happens as you compare yourself to a lot of people, you're not really going to feel better sometimes. You're, you're going to feel bitter because you're going to recognize that no matter how hard you try or no matter what you do, it just seems like other people just have it better than you. But you don't know what that person had to do to get where they're at. And don't compare yourself to other people because not everyone started the way that you started and the way that they started. Everybody, like your story is unique. Your story is different. And it's not worth comparison. 
But what happens a lot of times is we compare our insides with, every, with everybody else's outsides. We compare our insides. With, have, you, have you ever felt blessed before until you compared yourself to somebody else that seemed to be more blessed? Or you felt really confident and good about yourself until you noticed somebody else that seemed more good or more confident and then you feel bad about yourself? And we start comparing ourselves to other people. But here's the thing, guys. Don't ever compare your behind the scenes with other people's highlight reel by what you see on social media. Because you don't know what happens behind the scenes sometimes, guys. Don't go on social media like, oh, they're on vacation again. They got another new car. And you start comparing that to your own life because it's just going to drain you guys. It's going to wear you out. See, what the disciples did, they were comparing themselves to one another. But here's the thing. Comparison is the thief of joy. Stop comparing yourself to other people. You are unique. You are different. You are favored by God. You have grace for what God has ahead of you. In fact, you have grace for your race, and God has a plan, a specific plan and destiny for your life, and what's going to happen is you compare your story to other people's stories, and you'll step into a story that was never meant to be yours because you think that you have to be great by doing what other people do, but God said, no, 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 that's not how greatness works. Greatness is all about finding who, who I've called you to be, and I didn't die for who you pretend to be, and I can't bless who you pretend to be. You you got to be content. You got to know that I am good. And you got to know that I have a plan for your life. Stop comparing yourself to other people. Stop comparing yourself to other people. Stop comparing. I'm talking to myself right now. Stop comparing yourself to other people, Caleb. Stop comparing yourself to other people, Caleb. Caleb, you are blessed. You are saved. You are a child of God. You've been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. If you have Jesus, you have everything that you need. Stop comparing yourself to other people. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 says this, not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. That scripture speaks for itself, so I don't really need to elaborate on it more, but you get the point. Don't compare yourself to other people. God created you in his image, and you are loved. And nothing you can do in your life can make God love you more than how much he loves you right now. The second thing that the disciples were doing is they were competing with another. They, they, were, they, they had a spirit of competition. Okay, yesterday, I went to Planet Fitness, and I ran into my little cousin at Planet Fitness, and uh, I noticed that he was on the treadmill, so I decided I was going to run next to him on the treadmill. So um, I went next to him on the treadmill, and he's like, you know, 15 or 16. I'm 21. And uh, pretty much whenever I went right there next to him on the treadmill, I said, hey, man, you mind if I run right here next to you? He said, yeah, that's cool. And what I did was, you know, he went like on there like a minute before me or so. I could look at his timer. And whenever I put my timer on and I started going, but I noticed that he kept on looking at me. And he kept on, as I went up on my speed, he went up on his speed. He was looking at my calories. He was looking at my speed. He was looking at the distance that I went. And every time that I went up to seven, he went up to eight. I went up to eight. He went up to nine. I went down to four. He went down to six. And by the end of the 15 minutes, because I'm not going to lie, I was trying to compete back. I'm not going to let my little cousin show me up. He showed me up, guys. I was like, man, I feel so out of shape 
And I was like, all right, man, well, I'm going to go lift some weights over there. I'll see you later. He was just smiling. <laughs> it was funny, though. I mean, it's just funny to think, you know, I don't know if we, I don't know if you're a competitive person, if you're not really a competitive person. You know, I can find myself being a competitive person sometimes, depending on the sport or, or what I'm doing. Um, but a lot of times, we like to be competitive. But what I've learned, and the truth of the matter is, is that the root of comparison is competition. And this is what the disciples did, and this is another thing that people typically do whenever they want to become great. We start thinking that it's a competition for first place, that, that in order for God to notice me, I must work hard to outshine everyone else. You know, churches can even do this sometimes. Churches can be in competition with other people, but there's some things in life that should not be for competition. And I want to let you know tonight that us as a church, we're not in competition with any other pastor or any other church in town. In fact, we pray for every single church in Victoria. We pray that God would bless them. We pray that God would protect them. We pray that God would prosper them. We pray that God would protect them. We pray that souls would be saved. We pray that people would encounter Jesus. We pray that people would be baptized, that lives would be changed. Let us not forget, guys, that we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We are all children of God. Whenever we get to heaven, it's not going to be like, oh, there's that church and there's this church. No, we're going to be worshiping the one true King, Jesus Christ, forever and ever. Don't let religion and politics slip in. Churches were not made to be in competition. They were made to be in cooperation. So us as a church, our desire is that God's will be done, that his kingdom would come, and that lives will be changed. As long as we love people and we love God, we let God take care of everything else. I don't know why I feel led to talk about that tonight, guys, but God is good and God is faithful, and we are not in a competition. We're not in a competition. Don't be in a competition with another family, and don't be in a competition with them trying to see who can have the most successful kid. You know, and that may sound funny. Like, don't be in competition with your coworkers or their friends or people at school to see who can be more popular, you know, or, or be more well-known, who can be more liked, right? Don't be in competition with your brothers or sisters or friends to see who can make more money and who can be more successful. You mean to tell you what your greatest competition in life will be? It's not other people. It's really not even the devil, it's the person that you wake up and look at the mirror at every single day. Your greatest competition is yourself. Stop focusing on outdoing other people and start focusing on outdoing your past. Don't focus on outdoing other people. Focus on outdoing your past because immature people focus on competing with other people, but mature women and men of God empower one another. That's so rich, right? That is so good. Don't be immature. Don't think life is a competition. Who can be better? Who can be greater? I got this nice car. I got this nice house. Where do we go off thinking that our possessions determine and dictate our greatness? We are cherished by God. You can have nothing. Guess what? There's homeless people out there. Guess what? Jesus Christ died on the cross for those people. There are people out there that are hurting. The homosexuals out there. Jesus died for them. Guess what? We're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. No matter where you're at, we all need Jesus. I need to say that tonight. Every single person, even the babies that are being killed before they 
even come out of the womb. Jesus Christ died on the cross for them. We need to stop trying to be in a, a mindset of competition, and we need to, we need to just love people and, and love God and let God be God. Your greatest competition is yourself. See, a flower does not think about competing with the flower next to it. It just blooms. A flower does not think about competing with the flower next to it. It just blooms. It just grows. It just blossoms. If you want to blossom, if you want to grow, if you want to mature, stop competing with other people. Your greatest competition is yourself. Anybody receive this tonight? Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 through 4 says this, Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, or conceit, but in humility, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his interests, but also to the interest of others. I love that, man. That's a powerful scripture right there. So how do we become great? What does God say about greatness? I used to think that greatness was about ascending. I thought that greatness was about going to the top. But the more that I've matured, I've realized that greatness is not about ascending. Greatness is really about descending. It's about descending. I love what Bill Hebel says. He says this, if you truly want to be great, the direction that you must go is down. The direction that you must go is down. You must descend into greatness. You got to make it less about yourself and more about Jesus and others. You got to make it less about yourself. See, being humble is not thinking less of yourself. It's really thinking about yourself less. And you put God first and you honor God. So how do we become great? This is my point I want to give you for greatness. You got to put Jesus first Jesus must be first, and we must be last. Jesus must be first, and we must be last. Jesus even said, anyone who wants to be first must be very last and servant of all. See, the disciples thought that greatness was measured by how many servants they had, but Jesus came, and he changed the game. He said, no, greatness isn't measured by how many servants you have, Greatness is measured by how many people you serve. Not about how many servants you have, but it's measured by how many people you serve. And this is the way, because I love it, because Jesus practiced what he preached, and he preached what he practiced. He would never challenge the disciples to do something. He would never challenge us to do something that he wouldn't be willing to do himself. Because Jesus, the Son of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the priest, a priest, the prophet, a prophet, God incarnate, God in the flesh, the one who was and is to come, the beginning and the end, the son of God. He was a sovereign king, Lord of all, but he was also a suffering servant. That's an ironic thing to say. He was a sovereign king, but he was also a suffering servant. It says in scripture that the son of God did not come to be served. He actually came to serve. He came to serve. How much more should we serve? How much more should we serve God? See, I love what Martin Luther King said. He said, anyone can be great because anyone can be, 
anybody can serve. Martin Luther King Jr. said this. He said, anyone can be great because anyone can serve. See, this definition of greatness changes everything. Because many times we think that we have to work hard to outshine everyone else to be considered great. But in God's kingdom, I want somebody to catch this. In God's kingdom, greatness is not measured by your accomplishments. It's gauged by your character. Greatness is not measured by your accomplishments. It's gauged by your character. You need to write that. Somebody needs to tweet that. In the kingdom of God, greatness is not measured by your accomplishments. It's gauged by your character. So it's not really about what I do or what I can do. It's more about who I am. As I serve God and as I serve other people. See, serving isn't supposed to be something that we just do. It's supposed to be a part of who we are. But many times what happens is this, when it comes to serving, we can think we're too big to serve. We're too great to serve. We're, we're too big to do that. We're, we're, we're too great to do that or, or go there or, or be around those people. We're, we're too big to serve. Don't have that mindset, guys. That is pride and that is arrogance because if you're too big to serve, you're too small to lead. You're too big to serve. You're going to be too small to lead. If serving is beneath you, then leadership will be beyond you. If serving is beneath you, then leadership will be beyond you. So what, what does this point look like? Anybody following tonight? I hope you're getting something out of tonight. Come on. It's good stuff. I want to show you guys an illustration of what this means. Mom, can you hand that to me real quick? Oh, you got it, Alicia. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I want you to turn the lights off. Make it completely black in here. This may not be the best time to stand up and go to the restroom or anything like that, but I want to make it completely dark in here for a second. Turn off these other house lights. Perfect, perfect. All right, guys. So what does this point look like to live this way where Jesus is first and we put ourselves last? So I got this flashlight right here. I got this yesterday at Home Depot, okay? And it's a pretty bright light, they told me pretty bright light. I don't want to shine this right on your face because it may make you blind and I don't want to get sued. But, um, you know, I was thinking about the spotlight. Did you know that every day you decide where you want the spotlight and the focus to be at? You decide where you want the spotlight to be at. And more than often, we want the spotlight to be right here or right here. I haven't really practiced this yet, so it's really dang bright. Goodness gracious. But more than often, we want the spotlight to be right here. I hope I don't fall off stage, guys. This is pretty blinding. We want the spotlight to be right here. We want the eyes to be on us. We want people to notice us. We want people to recognize us. We want people to admire us. We want people to see our greatness. We want people to see our goodness. I mean, at least that's what the disciples were thinking. They were thinking to themselves, you know, who's the greatest among all of us? Who's the greatest among all of us? And a lot of times we go through life and we want the spotlight to be right on us. Did you know that you can even think of yourself not as great and still want the spotlight on you? You can say, I'm not that good, or I've messed up a whole bunch. And a lot of times we can complain really loud because we want other people to notice us. We want the spotlight to be on us. And I'm not saying that to get guidance and counsel and get wisdom from other people and get help. I encourage that. 
But what I am saying is this, sometimes you can focus so much on what you don't have that you can forget about what Jesus does have. You can focus so much about what you don't have and focus on yourself that you forget about what Jesus has. And a lot of times we go through life and we want the spotlight to be on us. We want the eyes to be on us. Maybe not you, but I know sometimes in my life I want the spotlight to be on me, right? Literally, it's on me right now. But Jesus said, and I believe that God would say to us today, if you have a light on the inside of you, you don't need a spotlight on you. If you, if you have a light shining on the inside of you, you don't need a spotlight on you. See, people that have a light working in their lives realize that everything that they do is for the glory of God. And every time they go through something, whether they do have enough or they are blessed, they say, it's all because of you, Jesus. And even when they don't have enough, they know that there's a God that loves them. And they say, God, I may not have enough, God, but according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus, I know that I can receive what I need. I point to you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Is there anybody in this place that wants to live a life where it's not about yourself all the time. It's not all selfie-centered, but it's all pointed to Jesus. Whenever people look at you, they should see Jesus. The Bible says that you are a living letter. There are 66 books in the Bible, but guess what? You in your life is the 67th, and the only Bible that people read could be you in your life. So whenever people look at you, I don't want people just to see Caleb. I don't want people just to see me. I want people to see Jesus that's inside of me. I want Jesus Jesus to be glorified. I want Jesus to be magnified. It says in scripture that every good and perfect gift comes from above. But I believe that there's going to come a time in your life because it says in scripture that if you exalt yourself, you will be humbled. If you exalt yourself, you'll be humbled. But if you humble yourself, you will be exalted. If you humble yourself, that's a promise for God you will be exalted. But here's what separates great people from other people. This right here. Whenever God does bless you, because I believe that we're blessed by God just to be saved by God. But there's gonna come a point in your life where other people are gonna start to take notice of what God's doing in your life. You know, God blessed you with that job. God blessed you with that spouse. God blessed you with that car. God blessed you with, with, with that. You have this. You have that. Ah, man, Caleb, you're so wise. You're so, you're so good. You're so great. You're so nice. Man, you, God's doing great things in your life. And we can say to ourselves, you know, yeah, that's right. I got here because I'm good, because I'm great, because of my intellect, because of my gifts, and because of my talents. And this is the mindset that the disciples were ha having. They were, to, they were trying to argue amongst who was the greatest. They were comparing themselves to other people. They were competing with one another. And you can go through life and say, you know, I, I am great. But I don't want to live a life like that. I want to live a life where whenever God spotlights me, whenever God highlights, have you ever been spotlighted by God whenever you didn't deserve it? He takes us out of darkness into his marvelous lights. 
when I don't deserve forgiveness, he forgives me. I deserve despair. I deserve death. I deserve it all. I deserve the condemnation. I deserve the guilt. I deserve the shame. But Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. Jesus came to make dead people alive. And what happens is God's going to spotlight you. God's going to spotlight you. And God's going to spotlight you. But this is what great people do. They don't keep the spotlight on themselves. They point it right back to Jesus. And they say, Jesus, it's all because of you. The reason I have this job, the reason I have this family, the reason that I have life, the reason that I can be happy, the reason that I can be joyful is because you forgave me. So I turn the spotlight back. I feel the Holy Ghost. I turn the spotlight back on you. And this is what great people do. And they point to other people and they say, God, I may not have it all, God. I may have needs of my own, God, but I want to help other people. I want to serve other people. I want to be a blessing to other people. Freely I have received, so freely I shall give. Because you serve Jesus, I'm going to serve. Because you gave for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So guess what, God? I'm going to give right back to you because every good and perfect gift comes from love. If you believe that in this place tonight, can you give God a shout of praise? If you know that God is good, he is faithful, he is always on time. God is so good. Even whenever we're bad, God is still good. Can you stand to your feet tonight? You can turn the lights back on. Come on. It's all because of Jesus. Say, it's all because of Jesus. It's all because of Jesus. Don't forget about Jesus. If it wasn't for God, if it wasn't for Jesus saving you, if it wasn't for Jesus forgiving you, you wouldn't be who you are today. You you wouldn't be where you are today. You wouldn't be who you are today. Don't forget about Jesus. Life is but a vapor in God's kingdom, but God's kingdom will be forever. Just like John the Baptist said, he said, I must decrease and he must increase. Referring to Jesus, that's the kind of life that I wanna live where all the attention is on Jesus. It says in scripture, one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. One day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is our Lord. So what I'm trying to say tonight is this, it's all about Jesus. Say it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. In order for you to complete the Lord's work, stop comparing and stop competing. Does anybody believe that tonight? Come on. I want us to do something together before we leave this place. Can we worship God for two minutes with every hand raised? Our mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at clcvictoria and download our app.